If you'll take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. The title of the message is, The Bed, the Bird, and the Snare. The Bed, the Bird, and the Snare. God willing, we'll be expounding Proverbs 7, verses 21 through 23 tonight. Last week we learned how this young man and this adulterous woman were sneaky about their sins. They first justified their sins, or tried to justify their sins. Then they snuck around to commit them. And we learned that if you're doing the will of God, then you don't have to sneak around to do it. You'll ne- you won't be ashamed of doing what's right. And now tonight, as we move further into our text in verse 21, we'll see the effect that this woman's speech had on this young man. And by doing so, we'll see the effect that the media... And peer pressure and the things that we're exposed to in games and uh, reading material, school curriculums, movies, and everything else has on us as individuals and on our children. Solomon said in verse 21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. The Hebrew text does not have a word translated fair in this passage. It's literally saying, because a lot of times that's supplied by the translators. But the text is literally saying, with her abundant speech, she caused him to yield. And what's important for us to understand is that the word translated speech here, that's where our focus needs to be. The word translated speech is literally speaking about something that's mentally received. Mentally received. Not just the fact that she's talking, but the fact that what she said was mentally received by this man. And for this same reason, because it means in the Hebrew something that's mentally received, for this same reason, this same word is sometimes translated as the word doctrine. In other passages. Doctrine. And doctrine of course is something that's taught. And thus since it's taught. It's something that the students mentally receive. In other places therefore. This same word is used to describe the learning. That we receive. When we receive God's doctrine. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 please. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. So the adulterous woman's speech was a a doctrine that she taught. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. That word learning is the same word translated speech. In our text tonight. Something that's mentally learned. Something that's mentally received. The adulterous woman's speech was a doctrine she taught. And it was a doctrine this young man had learned from her. 
when she was trying to talk this young man into committing adultery with her, her talk of peace offerings and uh, the beautiful coverings of her bed, how she was making that sin seem so innocent and beautiful and such a good thing and the lovely fragrances and no chance of them getting caught. That was her doctrine for this sinful activity. That was her philosophy on it. Her teaching on it. She was a persuasive voice teaching that there was nothing wrong with that sin, nothing wrong with them uh, having that free love together and him coming over and them loving each other and, uh, and even though she was married, that in fact it was actually a good thing. Maybe a, a, maybe a, a gift from God to them. And that there would be no bad consequences if they precipitated in it. Or as the devil said, ye shall not surely die. No, it's a good thing. The day you eat thereof, you'll be as God's. That was the doctrine she taught. And by listening to her doctrine, he became a believer of it. He became a follower of that doctrine. It was like a religion. Just as Solomon is teaching us doctrine tonight, warning us against the behavior that these two people participated in, and we receive that doctrine as we're learning it here in the Proverbs. We mentally receive that doctrine. We believe that doctrine. And then by God's grace, I pray all of us will go out and put that to practice in our lives. We receive that doctrine. And by faith, we walk according to the instruction we receive from God's word here in the Proverbs. And even so, the world teaches its own doctrine. A doctrine that's contrary to God's word. Ye shall not surely die. What's in the scripture is not true. This is the way it really is. This is a good thing. It's a thing of love. A thing of beauty. And so the world has its own doctrine that's contrary to God's word. And people also receive that doctrine. And by faith, just like us. By faith they walk according to the instruction they receive. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. What a person believes determines how the person behaves. What a person believes determines how that person behaves. Now Solomon said she taught him much of this doctrine. Do you notice that? With her much fair speech or with her much uh, doctrine. Underscore the word much in this verse, please. So the young man sat under much of this woman's teaching. Much of her propaganda. And after so long a time of sitting underneath her teaching and listening to her, paying attention to what she said, taking it all in, he became a believer of her doctrine. He sat under much of her teaching and adopted her philosophy on this sin, on this particular lifestyle. And of course, we all know that it didn't hurt that the sin was appealing to his fallen flesh, right? We want to believe things that we like 
are true. And we don't want to believe things we don't like are true. I've talked to parents before who refuse to believe what seems like the obvious about their children is. They refuse to believe it. They'll believe something that seems almost unbelievable. And you sit there and you listen to them. You don't want to be rude. And you just go, oh, okay, okay. And you think of the back of my head. Now we all know better. But they refuse to believe it. Well, here, this man, it was better for him in his mind if he refused to believe what God's Word says because that would be inconvenient for him. This sin appealed to his fallen flesh. Sleeping with this woman appealed to his fallen flesh. And so he believed what appealed to his flesh. Here's a kingdom truth. False doctrines persuade fallen men. False doctrines persuade fallen men. If you have your your son or daughter in a, a secular college, and that college begins teaching things that are contrary to God's Word, but that are appealing to your child's fallen nature, that child is going to have a tendency to disbelieve what the Word of God says that's contrary to their flesh, and they're going to have a tendency to want to grab hold of what the college professor says that is appealing to their fallen flesh. With much fair speech, she caused him to yield. And so as they sit under this for so many years in the public school system, in the systems of higher education, and they sit underneath liberal teaching, secular teaching that's contrary to God's Word, after hearing it over and over and over again, eventually, except the grace of God intervene, they're going to have a tendency, like this young man, to finally yield to what they've heard. You take a child, you sit them down in a, at a video game. In that video game, what are they doing? They're constantly killing and killing and killing and destruction and destruction and destruction. Hours upon hours. And you know what happens when they kill that person? They get points. In other words, it's teaching them, look, you should be rewarded for doing that. And suddenly, that philosophy adopts in their, uh, into their mind. And next thing you know, that's not enough. They need to go get a real gun and go out and do it in real life. Then we wonder what happened. With the much fair speech, the false doctrine will cause the fallen flesh to yield. And we need to be very careful about that. We need to be very careful about what we let our children play. And by the way, the less playing, the better. Should be more working and a whole lot less playing. My dad made sure I got a whole lot of work done when I was a kid. And when I, it was time to play, I wanted to play. Now, I got to play plenty. I wasn't abused too bad. <laughs> But, uh, but I got, had to work. And you know what? When I grew up, I wish he would have made me work more and play less, especially when I was a teenager. Work more and play less. Kept me out of trouble. 
He kept me occupied. But how you spend your time, who you spend your time with, the influence that you have with your peers, the type of people your young people are hanging around, the type of people you're hanging around. As adults, we don't need to be spending hours upon hours with filthy talking people if we can at all help it. Understand when you're at work, you're at work. Understand that. But there needs to be a time in your private life, you need to be able to shut that work off and then say, okay, now this is my time. <laughs> and I'm not going to allow that in my house. I'm not going to allow it on the phone. I'm not going to subject myself to it. I'm not going to put it on the television and watch all of these shows that subject my mind to things that are contrary to God's Word. Because as you watch it and you get involved in the character uh, the roles of the character and in the shows, and you get involved in it, and you start developing emotions and feelings with some of those things, then after a while you begin to identify with them a lot of times, and your mind begins to pretend like you're in that setting. You're the one falling in love. You're the one doing this. You're the one doing the other. And you put yourself in those shoes. And with much fair speech, it'll corrupt your mind. We need to make sure that we watch the right things, listen to the right things. Make sure our children listen to the right things, be around the right people. The abundance of what you hear will have an effect on what you believe. That's another kingdom truth. The abundance of what you hear will have an effect on what you believe. How many people believe something is a certain way. Man, I heard someone the other day. Now, maybe y'all heard this. I heard something the other day I couldn't believe. They said, well, now you know that hummingbirds, when they fly south for the winter, they, they hitch a ride on the back of geese, and the geese fly them south for winter. And I said, man, what are you talking about? He said, no, it's true, they do. And I thought to myself, that makes no sense whatsoever. Like the geese are going to sit around like in a cartoon, and wait for them to get on. And I thought, that makes no sense at all. And I, I said, Mark, I said, I, I'm not sure I believe. Where'd you hear that from? He said, I've heard that all my life. And he just argued. And I, I thought, well, I got on the internet and I looked it up and of course, it's completely fake. It's an old wives' tale. It's an old fable. <laughs> I was teaching Genesis to Jesus uh, one day next door. And uh, there were a, a couple of women in there that are no longer here at this church. There are a couple of women in there that uh, began arguing with me. They said, uh, well, men have one less rib than women. How many of y'all ever heard that before? Several people have heard that. It's not true. He said men have one less rib than women because Adam, God took the rib out of Adam. Both these women were nurses. I said, well, I don't think y'all learned that in medical, medical school, nursing school. But they'd heard it all their lives and they argued with me. They said, we're nurses. I said, well, I tell you what. You go home and you look that up and you come back and you let me know. I said, but you think about this. Let's say that I 
were to lose my index finger in a tragic accident. And then I start having children. Are my children going to be born without an index finger? I said, same thing with Adam. God took a rib out of Adam. That doesn't mean his kids are going to be born without a rib if they're boys. They went back. They looked it up. They came back the next Sunday. They said, well, you're right. But we heard it all our lives. They were wrong, you know. You, the, the abundance of what you hear will have effect on what you believe. And the doctrine you believe will have an effect on how you behave. Be very careful what you subject your minds to. I like what the, uh, Elizabeth Jeremini does with her kids. For entertainment, if they're going to watch a movie or read a book or something, it has to be, it can't be fiction. It has to be true, historical, and it has to be, uh, you know, something that's um, uh, quality, something that will actually add to their life, you know, uh, and not take away. And those are some of the smartest kids you'd ever want to meet because they're not filled full of nonsense all the time. Now, they still have a fallen flesh. They may turn out, some of them may turn out to be bad. You can't choose for your kids, but you can choose what you subject your mind to and what your children's mind are subjected to. This is why it's so important for us to limit the amount of world's influence that we subject our minds to. To limit the amount of influence we subject our children's minds to. And by the way, this is exactly why these perverts want to read to our children. The abundance of what you hear will have an effect on what you believe. Her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the abundance of their doctrine, they want to cause our nation's youth to yield to their perverted way of thinking. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how to combat your exposure to an abundance of bad doctrine? Now, this is, this is complicated. I hope, hope y'all stick with me here. You expose yourself to an abundance of good doctrine. Now, that's what we're doing tonight, isn't it? That's what we're doing tonight. And a lot of people, they'll say, well, you know, I, I, I don't need to go to church tonight, or I'm going to stay home, or I got this going on and all that stuff. Listen, come to church regularly and soak in the doctrine that God drops like rain from heaven down to us. Speaking of this woman's doctrine, Solomon said, look back in your text, with the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Now the word translated flattering here means the smoothness of her lips. It means her sweet, easy to hear Smooth words, very pleasant words. They weren't rough words. I spoke to someone the other night, and I confronted them about their sin. Well, that wasn't smooth words. Those weren't pleasant words. And it, it irritated that person at me. And uh, I do irritate people sometimes because of that. But, you know, if you want to hear the truth, then, you know, talk to me about it. If you don't want to hear the truth, then go somewhere else. 
But it wasn't fair speech. It wasn't flattering lips. Flattering lips tell people how good they are. We love to hear people tell us how good we are. We love to get compliments from people. And she flattered this man. And with her sweet, easy to hear, smooth words, she forced that young man, Solomon said. Now, when we think of the word force, we think maybe of, uh, you know, strong-arming someone and force them to do something. Oh, okay, you know, or putting a gun to their head and forcing them. But that, that's not what the word force means here. You, have you all ever watched, uh, now the Jeremini's hat, because it's not real. Star Wars, what, does, what do they say? May the what be with you. May the force be with you. That's the kind of idea that the word force here means. That person is a force to be reckoned with, we might say. Uh, and so when you th- uh, the scientific understanding of force. This young man had a choice over his behavior. She didn't force him against his will. The Hebrew word that's translated as force here, it, it does mean force, but, but not the way that I just described. It means force. Force in the sense, uh, it li- literally means to push. To push. The first time we see this word used in the Bible that's translated force here is translated as the word driven. Driven. Like someone might be driven or pushed into doing something, you see. And so we use that word push all the time we speak about someone being or pushing someone into doing something. And the whole point is, in my estimation, is that this woman consistently trying to convince this young man as to why he should commit adultery with her. And for that matter, any consistent exposure to bad influence, to that constant doctrine, teaching that's being taught, it is in itself a force. It has the power of force. Force, if I, if I had a, a marble on the table. I remember a couple of people when I was young. They got this idea that they would be able to put a marble on the table. And with mental telepathy. Y'all remember when that kind of became a thing? That they would be able to, to concentrate and move that marble across the table. That doesn't work that way. We know that. But now if I took the energy in my body, and I took my finger, and with that stored up energy, I released the energy through that finger in the form of muscular contraction. If Brother Shepherd did it, it'd fly off the other side. But it, that's, a, that's force acting upon that object, right? With, so her much fair speech was an actual force acting upon that young man's fallen flesh. It is a force to be reckoned with. Words, in other words, are powerful. Whether for good or evil. The teaching in the school systems is powerful. 
It's something that the young people have to overcome if it is contrary to God's Word. The words are powerful, whether for good or for evil, so be careful what you allow into your ears. Speaking of this young man, she has now, I'm sorry, has convinced him by her fair speech. And Solomon says in verse 22, he goeth after her straightway. He goeth after her straightway. The, the, the lies that he believed from this woman have now caused him to walk straightway, straightway after her. Straightway means without hesitation, without reservation, without checking up on yourself. Um, he's under the forceful spell of her lies. The lies are pleasing to his flesh. So he cast all concern to the side and goes after this woman in full pursuit of the wonderful night that she's promised him, blowing all caution to the wind. You know, when, when I walked outside the other night to check on something, I know in my mind it's springtime. I've got woods behind my house. And so I go out, and what do I do? I don't just walk out there just like that. No, no, what do I do? I'm looking for snakes. Everywhere I step, I'm looking for a snake. I'm out like this, and I'm like this. Is that a stick or is that a snake? I'm just doing this like this. And, and I'm not walking straightway. I'm walking what, how the Bible calls circumspectly. Circumspectly, spect like spectacles and circum like in a circle of circumference. And so as I'm walking circumspectly, as the Bible tells a Christian to walk, that means I'm looking this way and that way, back and forth, around me, behind me, looking around. This young man did not do that. He became such a believer of her lies. He put all the caution aside. He just All he can see is, is that woman and that night, the lies she's told him, and he's going straight after it. He's not looking around. He's not looking at where he's stepping. He's not watching for the, the snares that the devil has laid out for him. He's going straightway. Solomon says, straightway, look back in your text, as an ox goeth to the slaughter. That's how he's going. In the dumb ox's mind, he may be just simply on his way to the barn. He's going to move from this field to this field over here. He, he's just going to go get his next meal. And all he has his mind on is getting to that place and maybe getting him some hay. But the truth is, unbeknownst to him, he's on his way to the slaughterhouse. In this young man's mind, he's simply going to her house to have a good time. But he's really going to the slaughterhouse. The ox doesn't think things through. He goes circumspectly. He just moves from one place to the next to get to the next meal. Or Solomon says, if you'll look back in your text, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. In the fool's mind, as this young man, he sees the woman... He sees the bed, he sees the love, he sees the good time, not realizing that all of these things that I just mentioned are actually the instruments of his own destruction. He doesn't see them for what they are. To see the adultery bed 
as a good time, it's like a fool seeing the wooden stocks as fine furniture. Just think of it like that. Oh, just look at that wood. You know, I think that's walnut. Look how nice and carved that is. So smooth, so beautiful. Whoever made these stocks right here, I mean, they, 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 they were fine craftsmen. Beautiful furniture. And someone says, well, now, stocks there are going to be quite uncomfortable. They're going to lock you down. You'll lose your freedom if you put your neck and your hands in those stocks. And someone else with their much fair speech, they come along and they say, oh, no. I've been in those stocks many times. They're quite comfortable. Very good for the neck. In fact, uh, recent studies show that people who spend uh, several hours in those stocks every day will actually have uh, uh, lose the neck in pain that they've normally been having. They'll have better night's sleeps. And, and uh, the person's think, well, how nice. And so they just run over those stocks. Well, let me try that out here. And they, and they lock it up and everything's fine until they realize it's not. And the person goes to the adultery bed like a fool goes to the stocks. They don't, they don't see the stocks as a place of destruction and punishment and loss of liberty and something that will inflict pain in their lives. And they don't see the marital bed as the same. But it is. They can't see it because they're fools. Verse 23, as we begin to close. Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare. All that bird sees is the bait and the trap. All this man sees is the woman in the bed. That's all they can see. He's so caught up with the excitement of of the bait in that trap that he fails to see the danger of the trap that he's happily running into. It can be very exciting to run towards sexual sin. Many people have swiftly ran towards sexual sin, passionately ran towards sexual sin. But if you do, you're running into a snare. Like the bird. You get shot through your liver with a dart. You're running into the stalks like a fool. You're going into the slaughterhouse like an ox. Don't be a fool. Solomon is saying, For this young man is running, look back in your text, and knoweth not that it is that he is the actions of committing adultery with this woman, knoweth not that the, it is for his life. He doesn't know that it will destroy his life. I think I cut out. He doesn't know that it will destroy his life, for those of you all who may not have heard me online. Years ago, I was speaking to a woman who was telling me about um, some sexual sins that she engaged in when she was uh, a young, young girl, an adult, but a young girl. And I'm sure at the time it seemed very exciting to her. She was with an older man. She probably felt all grown up, and he probably told her all the right words and made her feel like she was grown up. And she shacked up with that man. It may have, again, it may have seemed very exciting at the time, but you know what? Her, her sin back then when she was young, it, 
It left her with lifelong physical and emotional damage. She told me, she said, quote, that man caused me so much harm. When she ran to him, she couldn't see the harm. She could only see the bait. She fell for the doctrine. She became a believer of the false doctrine. Her fallen flesh yielded to his smooth words. She followed after him without hesitation, knowing not that it would cost her her life. Now that will go ahead and close tonight. Lord willing, take back up. <clears throat> next Wednesday, in the next verse. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your precious word. Lord, after hearing this for several weeks now, going into great depth, looking at it from so many different angles, I pray, Lord, that your smooth, wonderful doctrine, Lord, smooth in a good sense, to our spirit but it ruffles our flesh Father I pray the, the much doctrine that we're hearing on this will cause us to yield to you and not to our flesh I pray Father that you will create a right spirit in us and the right thinking Lord that our mind will be uh, in agreement with your mind when it comes to, to sin especially the sin we've been studying about I pray, Father, Lord, that we will limit our exposure to the false doctrines of this world and submit our minds, our ears, our hearts, dear Lord God, to the true doctrine, the true teachings of your word. Help us, Lord, as the scripture says, to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.